0: Welcome back to Never Have I Ever Hosted a Podcast. I'm Danny,
1: And I'm Clara.
0: And today we will be discussing the eighth episode titled Never Have I Ever Pissed Off Everyone I Know.
1: Today we are lucky to have a guest, one who we've been promising for a while now, Ben Norris, who plays Danny's favorite character, Trent Harrison. Welcome, Ben.
0: Thank
2: you for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
1: Yay. And before we get too far into the episode, I'm going to play a little clip to tell us a little bit about what this is about.
2: Birthday acknowledgement Ben. Uh, thanks? I don't want to presume it's a happy one. It's okay if it's a sad one. Or a neutral one. Okay. However you're feeling is right. Just have a day.
1: Is it your birthday? Why didn't you say something? This is the one day I have to be nice to you.
2: Then why'd you punch me?
0: That was a friendship punch. So, are you going to have a party or something?
2: Yeah, I don't really make a big deal about birthdays. You know, I'm sort of a low-key man of mystery.
0: You Instagrammed your PSAT score. Yeah,
1: only to inspire others to try to achieve the impossible.
0: So, Clara, what did you think of this episode?
1: Well, I loved it, of course. I mean, we <laughs> you ask me this every week, and of course I always <laughs> love the episodes. Um, and I think this one is not really going to be a surprise for you because... Whereas this, this is such a funny show, I really like the episodes that get into a little bit more dramatic territory, and this is definitely one of those more dramatic episodes. So I enjoy it. I like seeing Debbie held accountable for her actions, just like a tiny, tiny bit. Um, and of course, I'm sure we'll talk a lot about Bebbie and Daxton at some point in this episode. So what about you? What did you think?
0: Of course, it's a great episode. I love it. A lot of the fandom really likes this episode, too. A lot of the conflict really comes to a head with Davy's actions and a lot of feelings come to light between Davy's respective love interests. Uh, there's just like a lot going on in this episode within a short amount of time. And it's one of those episodes that feels really long, even though it's not, but it's in a good way. hmm. Did you like this episode, Ben? Was it what was it like shooting for you?
2: Yeah, this episode was awesome front to back. This was actually the most social episode for us because, like, all of the characters were there at this party. Yeah. So this really almost felt like student films did in college when you're just all hanging out, you know, waiting to shoot. And we're at this insane house in the valley. Yeah. It was – that house was crazy. And actually, fun fact, like, I don't – really think they dressed that house i think that house everything that you see like that's what was in that house um so it was very strict if you weren't shooting you could not be in the house
3: Um, (laughs) but we were all
2: hanging out outside and it, it was just it was really great it was a few nights of just fun we just had such a good time on this on this show
1: i feel like that explains why the punch was outside
2: Yes, very much so. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there was even, there was even like stuff on the ground, like fake turf on the ground so that it wouldn't actually get on their turf. Like it was, <laughs> they did it right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Smart. We're going to start off with a short game of Never Have I Ever, which we have done with all of our previous guests, because basically the title of the show demands it. Um, Our version is a tiny bit different from the standard one. There's no winners and losers. We're just going to answer every question with I have or I've never. And if you're listening and you want to tally up scores, like, go ahead. (laughs) Um, But we're not going to do that ourselves. Alrighty. So the first
0: question is, never have I ever had a few drinks and spilled some information I shouldn't have.
2: I think... We all. Oh well, you said never have I ever, so you haven't. I def- no
0: no. We just <laughs> and, we just have it's it. Just the prompt. Oh okay, It's Just the prompt. It. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely have. I mean, I I don't know if I could put my finger on one specific time that I did that because there were probably a lot of times. <laughs> I, I I don't like drama. I don't like stirring up drama. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just gonna say I've done that probably m- many times. But I do like sharing information though. I do even though I don't like drama, I do <laughs> I'm kinda like my father where I'm like I'm addicted to like sharing information. So
1: your hair is full of secrets. Yeah, it's like exactly
2: that. <laughs> That's exactly
1: <laughs> right. I'm um, sure I have too. Uh, I I don't know. I feel like I'm the same way where I would say that I don't really like drama, but it's kind of fun to watch from afar when it has nothing to do with you. So I'm I'm certain that I've had a few drinks too many at some point. That's and true. Done that.
0: I have a similar answer. I'm sure I have. Um, but usually it's when I give others drinks that they tend to like open up to me.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> don't drink around Danny. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right. Well, we got another alcohol related one. Never have I ever been to a church and a bar in the same day.
2: No, I haven't. Um I haven't. Oh. No, 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 I haven't. I'm trying to think of maybe I went to like a maybe I went to like a wedding and then mm-hmm. the after party was at a bar, but I don't I don't think so. I growing up I only went to church a handful of times. I'm I'm actually uh interfaith. Uh so there was synagogue there was church in my childhood but I was a child so I was not going to bars after
0: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't technically but I did show up to my great uncle's memorial slash awake like very very hungover and I'm pretty sure I was technically still intoxicated but it's like my cousin and his girlfriend were visiting and I hadn't seen them in forever so (laughs) I was like let's go out and then we did and then like all regretted it the next day
1: <laughs> um I so at first I thought I definitely hadn't cuz I I'm Jewish so I've I you know most of my like religious experiences are synagogues and temples. Um but I've been in choirs for many years and I'm sure there must be at least one time when I've like been in a choir concert and then gone to a bar afterward.
0: Nothing too crazy.
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Never have I ever posted a picture on social media to make someone jealous.
2: Mm, mm. (laughs) Uh, you know what i'm gonna say i'm gonna say yes i have but it's never been to make someone to make a love interest jealous it was definitely to make a friend jealous uh i'm a big a frenemy (laughs) a a, a, a frenemy if you will i'm a big um i'm a big hockey fan and and growing up i'm a huge rangers fan because i'm from new york and one of my childhood traditions, because we knew uh, someone who works for the organization is every Christmas, we would actually go to their training facility and skate around during the mornings. And, uh, and I, I, every year I would like post a picture from the training facility just to make all of my friends jealous who were also Rangers <laughs> fans. So I know, I know I've done that, but never, never to make like a love interest jealous because I, I just, I don't think I have that in, in, in my blood.
1: I've totally done what you described, like the trying to make friends jealous. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think like even when I took pictures at Harry Potter World, that was basically that, Like those pictures weren't for me. I was there. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I don't think I've done it with a love interest. Um, To be honest, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I feel like that's probably just not me.
0: I don't know if like making them jealous is the right context. For me, it's more like, you just want that person to think about you, you know.
1: I like get you're that you're missing out. I get that. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, I've definitely posted those.
2: Well put. Uh, that was well put.
1: Yeah. All right. Never have I ever intentionally cock-blocked a friend.
2: God, these are juicy. These are these are like <laughs> these are pretty juicy. Uh,
1: and we're not even drunk. <laughs>
2: yes, yes, I have, but I was a part of a. I was a part of a group that that did it. Um, yeah, I mean, it was in high school, and I think the high, the point of high school is to to learn how to grow up. And it was it was before I learned, we learned how to grow up. Uh, and so um, before anything happened, it was me and a group of people and we um, almost did like a Congo line into, where it was about to take place, uh, and then it and then it didn't take place. So we really <laughs> that, n- I, we really I, nipped it in the bud. <laughs> that's a fantastic cock
1: block story, though, that you did a conga line.
2: <laughs> I mean, it into was. I mean,
1: the room where it happens. All part, <laughs> all parties
2: involved were cracking up. It was, it was no, <laughs> yeah. like it was hilarious. You know, so
1: yeah, yeah. It's hard to be mad when there's a conga line. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was pretty. It was
2: pretty fantastic. <laughs>
1: What about I, you, Danny? I definitely have,
0: um, but generally when this happens, it's it's me trying to, like, stop something bad from happening, like a friend's going to regret it the next day, because some of my friends have some terrible taste, so I usually just try to just, like, step in, be like, no, well,
1: yeah. you're, you're good.
2: So you did the Don't heroic cock block. That's, what, <laughs> yeah. that's a heroic <laughs> one right there. <laughs>
1: Mine is, I don't think it's quite, it's not quite the same as your story, and I I still feel like a little bit bad about it, but one of my really good friends, we both had a mutual friend who was like pretty clear for a long time had a crush on her, but they were also just like really close friends, like they'd been friends for four years, and she didn't want to like mess things up, so he asked her to what she thought was like a group movie, and turned out to be just the two of them. And so she was like, can you come with? And I did, and I intentionally sat right between them. Oh, God. <laughs> that's, that's well done. Uh, I'm sorry if you hear this. I know he listened to our last <laughs> podcast, but <laughs> oh, it man. was just it was just a safe face for everyone. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes you got to take
0: one for the team. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Never have I ever lost my cell phone more than once in a week.
2: No, I've broken my cell phone more than once in a week
3: what but
2: <laughs> as in i broke one got a new one and broke another one oh, um no. I, i've actually knock on wood i don't think i've ever lost a cell phone but i've broken many cell phones so <laughs> a, a, a little bit of an amendment to that one um for me
1: i have never broken or lost a cell phone um, Bam. Well, so I've had cell phones break but like on the inside.
0: Yeah, like eventually like they just give out. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't done that. I've I've definitely lost a cell phone. It was like my first cell phone so when I was in like middle school I lost my first phone. I also think it might have been stolen. So it could have could have gone either way. Um but I I don't think I've lost one since then. I've definitely broken quite a few, but Never within the same time frame.
1: I got my first cell phone in 2001 when I went off to college, and they were like still bricks then. I don't think it would be possible to lose those. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, never have I ever taken a nap and missed all my classes for a day. Or I think we can say or like missed a, a work shift.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Not, not a work shift, but classes in college, absolutely. My, my freshman year, I did not do well my freshman year. Like... <laughs> I did not – I got a one nine my first semester. Uh, and a lot of that had to do with sleeping through classes. So I learned my lesson, and I did really well the rest of college. So there you go.
0: You live in you learn. I'm a success
2: story. That's what, that's what I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely have done it. Like I've definitely taken a nap and just been like – or I've, like, missed a class or two and then just been like, well, what's the point of going to, like, my last class?
1: I, I'm i not sure that I've missed, like, all classes, but I, I've, like, similarly, I signed up for 8 a.m. Spanish class my freshman year of college, and that was such a mistake. I don't know what possessed me to do that. And then, uh, actually, in my senior year, I once slept through a work thing because I had, like, pulled an all-nighter to start, turn in my senior thesis, and then I... Took what was supposed to be like an hour-long nap bef- three hours before an event I was supposed to film and uh, slept through the event. So... That's kind of justified, me.
2: though, because you were up doing work. So it's like, you know, you give and take, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, let's let's go with that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I I also, t- my first semester, I also took like an 8 a.m. media arts class and it just... Um, I didn't go often.
1: You should not there should not even be 8 a.m. classes for freshmen. I it's, agree. Uh,
2: they're setting you up for failure. That's what they're doing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I don't blame me, I blame them. I took a <laughs> philosophy class at like 8 a.m. in the morning and
0: oh. I actually did show up most of the time, but our professor bailed on us all the time. And I was like, I'm here. At eight AM, <laughs> and you're not here. And she she would always bail, like literally, like ten minutes before class. So, like an email would pop up and be like, "Oh, I'm not showing up." No, I, I would usually just go get coffee really? and like chill out before my next class. But I'm still I just say.
1: When I was when I was a TA in grad school, I really liked taking on the 8 am sections because it was just it felt like a challenge It was like if I can get you interested in um, semantics formal formal logic at 8 a.m then I can then my day is made
2: I like that I like that mentality that's like the that's like the fighter mentality you know yeah, yeah. I will dominate you with intriguing lessons. <laughs>
1: I will teach you into submission yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the next one is never have I ever hit on someone I knew was in a relationship
1: so wait a second define hit on for this
0: like flirted with or like tried to like have a thing with
2: okay so well, which yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like there's I feel like there's a difference there like people have told me that I'm a very naturally fl- flirty person like but in-
0: like intentionally you knew what you were doing
2: oh and actually yes yes i have (laughs) i have i have
1: i so this is the thing i don't feel like flirting like i've flirted with people who are in relationships before when i am in a relationship because you know it's totally safe right like i feel like oh Danny, do you want me to whip out receipts from the first year of the Magicians when we were flirting with Arjun every fucking time <laughs> <laughs> that an episode played? I, I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know if you had to call that flirting, but I'll send them to Varsha. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I mean, right? Like, that's the thing that I do think that's flirting. It's just not like you don't mean it to go anywhere. So, like, have so I, I talking, hit on somebody... like, if you're
0: trying to get with someone who's in a relationship? Right. So,
1: so that's what I kind of wanted to ask about, and. Honestly, I'm sure that I have at some point because, like, I don't know. I feel like you do stupid things in your youth, whatever, (laughs) Um, but not in a long time. But I've definitely flirted with people who I knew were in a relationship and, like, still do.
2: I feel like I did. I have like my mind on one memory now. And I feel like I did. I, I feel bad about it. However, it was a it was an extremely mutual thing. I, I'm not, you know, I, I don't do that. I don't I I respect people's relationships and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um this was someone I had just met that night. Nothing happened, so that's good. Yeah. Um nothing happened, but it was definitely a mutual flirtiness. Um, you know. But nothing happened. So
0: I've definitely been caught in that a few times. Um, it's generally like if someone I'm interested in and like they're seeing someone that like they're just like they don't even want to be with anymore, but they like won't end Danny. it. All the time. That's happened to me a couple times. I like how Danny.
2: honest. I like how honest this is. This is good. This is, this is this is this is therapeutic.
0: I feel like everyone's just kind of like inherently selfish when it comes to their own like feelings. It's like they think like. I'm the better option. So I think everyone's done it at least once.
2: My girlfriend and I just started watching Vanderpump Rules because quarantine. And <laughs> you, what, you just, what you just said is like chef's kiss to a T. Like, you're right. You're right. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> um, all right. So one last prompt. Never have I ever moved in with someone after one month of dating.
2: No, I have not. Um, this is the, my girlfriend currently This is the first girl I've ever lived with. And we dated, um, I would say about a year and, um, before moving in on the day that everything shut down for quarantine. So, um, interesting timing, but yeah, no, nope.
0: That must've been a real test for you guys.
2: It was, it was really, it was really interesting. And we, we, we crushed it. We really did. It was, it was awesome. And she, she, she's a fantastic writer. So she even like wrote an essay about moving in with her boyfriend during a pandemic. And it was, it was, we found humor in it and whatnot. And it was, it was awesome.
0: Yeah. I saw um, some of your skits about it. They were really funny. Yeah.
2: That's (laughs) another way we've kind of been like, you know, using art to, you know, make sense of what's going on. So yeah. Having a great time.
0: I haven't moved in with someone after a month, but I—I I, I mean, it's pretty close to um, me and my ex-girlfriend moved in probably about like three or four months after we got together. Uh, so many U-Haul jokes were made. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Lanier is the shortest. Like that's the shortest time that I between when I started dating someone and I moved in with them, and that was after like six months. And I don't think he like he wasn't even fully moved in at that point because basically like we moved all of my stuff and his lease went on like a little bit longer. So he was he was living there but his stuff wasn't yet.
0: Interesting. I think a lot of people have done like the kind of like you're basically moved in, but Yeah, yeah. You just yeah. haven't moved in yet.
1: <laughs> you you go back to like do your laundry occasionally.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's get into the interview. My first question comes from my friend Lynn. Do you find it difficult at all to play a character like Trent who comes across as dumb?
2: uh no, I don't find it difficult whatsoever i I um I love Trent and as soon as I got the sides for the audition, I was like, I know how to play Trent and um but you know i, I I'm a character person I love studying characters, you know like. Mm. Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, um, Kyle Mooney—like I, I study these people, and you know the fascinating things uh, about artists who really like develop three-dimensional characters is that you know there's humi- humility to them. There's there's some type of depth, and I know that Trent absolutely might seem just surface-level dumb, but I, I like to think that there's something deep down there. Um, and and even though he's extremely dumb, I just I wanted. I wanted his focus to just be you know he's he loves Paxton. he just loves Paxton he'll do anything for him and um, yeah, you gotta you gotta find these threads to pull on when it comes to characters like this and I think like I said I I love Trent love Trent and I, I want to keep playing him for as long, as long as I can.
1: He's like a really playful golden retriever. yeah absolutely
2: as, that is to at.
1: We have a friend who coined a phrase about a different character, but that, like, I think is kind of in the same vein, um, pure of heart, dumb of ass. And I, I think that very strongly applies to Trent.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm also I'm a huge Chris Lilly fan as well. He did Summer Hites High Tie and Angry Boys and mm. he, he, you know, he creates these characters who at first glance are just so not likable. And then you get to know them and you're kind of like, OK, I, I I see where you're going here, you know, so that's.
0: That's yeah. the actor who does the the Jamie one, right? Where he's distressed. Yeah, Jamie. Jamie. Yeah. Jemais, yeah. Jemais, yeah. <laughs> that one's good.
1: Well, next question, which in the script Danny insists wasn't actually from her, but was from a lot of people, but I don't entirely I believe her. I have her. receipts. <laughs> that doesn't mean you didn't tell them ask this question. But uh, it says, "Do you think Trent is secretly a genius?"
2: Um, that's a good. That's a good question. Uh, I've actually thought about this many times. <laughs> um, I think that there is a genius to Trent. I, I don't know. I don't think he's a book genius. Um, yeah. But I do think that he's much smarter than, than we make him out to be. Um, but I think like a lot of kids in high school is that they're kind of being this person that they've just the persona that they've developed over the years because that's what everyone knows them as mm-hmm. uh and uh, that's kind of always in my head while I'm playing him that I think that Trent is coming across as this you know he's he's Trent he's he's Trent just like everyone knows him but I, I think there is something deep down genius I don't know but um <laughs> I think Trent's smarter than than people think.
1: I think Got some be, intuition.
0: I think it would be really funny if because um, like the show Fresh Off the Boat, like the main character in the very like last season, he gets like a really amazing score on the SAT and like gets into a really good school. Like I just think that would be hilarious.
1: Everyone would be like, What?
2: I mean Trent's, Trent, be like, Trent's um, in an A P class, so I know. You know? You want him
1: to have like a Britney from Glee story arc. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, just goes to MIT by drawing with crayons.
0: <laughs> so another question from my friend Lynn is, was there any improv with your scenes as Trent?
2: Yeah, there was. Um, all the director we worked with four different directors and they were all so great when it came to the, the end of scenes and you we would kind of just go um, some longer than others, um, but I would say my favorite improv line, looking back on it, that they kept in the show um, was, I think it was episode seven, um, but when when Ramona calls uh, Paxton out um, for being racist, uh, that hmm. scene, and he's like, "You met my dad like ten times or whatever," and I said, "I thought that was your neighbor," and and he says, "That, that was that was all." That was all improv that those last few those last few lines were improv. We were actually right before we shoot every scene, you rehearse the scenes in front of the entire crew so they can figure out where to set everything up. And we were rehearsing it. And without even skipping a beat, we just said those two lines at the end. And like everyone was cracking up. And Darren, Darren and I looked at each other. We're like, we're doing that. Like, we're, we're doing that. Um,
1: Danny's acting yeah. super chill on the outside, but that was like her favorite line in the entire series. Oh,
0: really?
1: The way you delivered
0: it, just like, so, just like, oh, I'm so sorry, bro. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, he's a lovable idiot, I think. You know.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Well, so that segues nicely into the next question, which is yeah, just tell us what it was like working with everyone on set.
2: Everything, every everyone was just like a dream to work with, you know. A lot for a lot of us, it was our first big thing, Um, and you know, I I will be the first one to say that it was like definitely my like the biggest thing I've ever done. Um, But it was a you know, it's a young cast, Uh, Mm -hmm. it was a relatively young crew, and there were no there were no stars, there were no egos. I mean it. I mean, no one like there was none of that you know so we all got along so well and i i truly believe that everyone i worked with on that show came to set every day appreciative of the opportunity and brought 150 with them every single day i mean that like i don't i can't remember one moment where it was just like they're being a diva or, or whatever you know um yeah but i also think that every ship is a reflection of their captain and. Mindy Kaling's amazing. I only I only had a few interactions with her, but all of them were extremely pleasant. And the other captain of our ship was Maitreyi, and she had never been in anything. And the poise and just like the maturity, like we, we um, on episode three where I have the party, we're waiting for a long time for them to set stuff up. And it was lunchtime. And just my tree, we're in a room together. We are just kind of talking and I'm just listening to her. I'm like, how is this girl 17 years old without having been on a set? Like, it was just like, they really, she was a gift from the heavens and it was just all great. One of the directors I'm like good friends with now, like we text all the time. It's just, it was a very welcoming environment. It was exactly how it came across on screen.
1: So, like, aside from the fact that there's now a pandemic going on and the world has changed quite significantly, like, has your life changed at all personally since the show came out?
2: Um, It's such an interesting thing because it's like you think that it would. I don't know if it really has maybe yet um, because, you know, number one, a few weeks after the show, someone was like, oh, are people recognizing you? And I I, like I forgot about that. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm when I do go outside, I'm wearing a mask, wear your mask, people. And like, when I'm going <laughs> outside, like I'm wearing a mask, like I, I didn't even think of that. Cause I'm not, I'm not thinking about yeah. the fact that I'm about, about to walk into a crowd cause I'm not. And so when it comes to like recognition and stuff, like I would say, no, um, I have a few more Instagram followers, but like, it's, I guess that's it's not what I'm, what I'm in it for. But if, if there's any change, that's like probably the biggest change. Um, and also there's not, there's not, There aren't many things being shot or cast right now um, because everyone's trying to figure this out. Um, And I was, I would, when I auditioned, I was going out fairly often. So it's not even like there's there's all these opportunities knocking at my door. It's just an interesting, it's an interesting time, you know. But I do think, I do think that, oddly enough, you know, for this being my first big thing and a pandemic striking right as it came out. I do think that there might be an element of appreciation that I could have for the project because there were no distractions of like, am I going to get recognized? Are people, you know, it, all I was doing was yeah. sitting with the show and realizing like it's good. Like it's so good, you know, I, it really is.
0: So, Bea. never Have I Ever and Daxon's Angels want to know what was your favorite scene to film?
2: My favorite scene to film, there were like, Man, they're like all my, all my babies. Um, <laughs> uh, can I give you two scenes? Yeah. Okay, so the two scenes were actually a scene in this episode um, where um, I have the punch and Ben walks in. Um, so speaking of improv, it, the opening shot of that, there's a bug flying around and I'm trying to swat it. And that was that was hundred percent real. Like there was a bug that came into frame uh, called a fig beetle. I'm really into insects. A fig beetle comes into frame, and they're really like imposing, but they're, they're harmless. But right as it came into frame, that's when the director yelled action because they didn't realize there was a bug, and like the show must go on. So I was like, I'm just gonna swap this in character of Trent, and then we all kind of cracked after. And I was like, oh, "There's no way they're going to leave that in." When they did, it was amazing <laughs> to play with Jaron, who plays Ben. Just to play with him in that scene was so much fun. The director Anu, as well as one of the producers Chris, we were having a lot of fun with all the ways we could do the grandma um, bit. And so, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. So <laughs> and, and since it's a first season show, they're gonna they're gonna give you a lot of notes, and it's not because you're doing something wrong. It's because they want to figure out the tone. They want they want options. And so there were a lot of options for the grandma line. That was so much fun. And then the other, my other favorite scene, I think, was, I love all this episode three stuff, but when we're presenting, such so a short scene, but I loved that scene because I made I made a choice as Trent. I was like, in my head, I was like, I think Trent's nervous to, I think Trent's nervous to to present. And so that's why I came in with that nervous energy and they also allowed me to change the line to, um, so that you don't get exploded. The original line was so that you're not exploded. But I'm like, Trent's not that, it's not that Trent smart. Trent would use a so get passive. Get exploded. <laughs> and then Darren and I kept imp- improvising the the pound after because he's proud of me for doing it. Like we just We created that. We created that like that vibe, and it was just yeah. so much. It was so much fun to do. Um, so those are those are definitely my two favorite, two favorite scenes.
1: Well, I I really loved the first one that you mentioned, the grandma scene. Like the delivery there is just yeah. so perfect.
2: Hey, Trent. Hey, Marcus. Uh, can I get a cup of that punch?
1: Oh, it's not punch.
2: It's grandma juice because one sip makes you demented. <laughs> <laughs> right? Ooh,
3: whoa, like whoa.
2: <laughs> Tell me what you think, bro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How is your grandma trying? She has her good days. Thank you. That was, that was awesome. I, I I'm pretty sure that was the last take we did. I think that was his last note to just do it kind of like completely... Yeah. Somber. Somber, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was our last take. That was, that was so much fun. That was awesome.
1: She has her dick dance. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you mentioned your audition earlier. What was that like? What was your audition experience? Did you try out for any other roles or were you like, Trent, that's me. Yeah, for no. Start? So th-
2: this was a very, I, I, I think I have a great interview story. So I, I get the sides. Like I said, I read them and I'm just like, I know how to play Trent. I know how to play him. He's a little too cool for school. Not that impressed. I know how to be him. And so I decided that I was going to go into the audition and give almost nothing. Like I was just going to be monotone. Like, yeah, whatever. Like I'm high Hmm. school cool guy. Like what's up. And, um, and so I'm waiting in the, I'm sitting in the waiting room. I had never been to this casting office before and the walls are paper thin and just kid after kid after kid would go in and they would all do the same high energy big pow boom boom and i'm just like oh my god i prepared it the wrong way this is not like everyone's doing it this way and i prepared it this way and then i was like no 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 you stick to your guns like this is the purpose of auditioning i've i've heard Brian Cranston say that it's not to go in and get the role it's to go in and put forth your best version of the role and if they want it they want it if not then they don't and I went in there. I even slated in character. That's when you say your name and height. I never do that, but I was just like Benjamin Orr is five eight, and like he giggled a little. And I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm doing the right thing here. And we we start doing the first scene, and the casting director breaks and laughs, and is like, oh, "I'm sorry, let's start over." And I was just like, "I think this is it. I think this is it. <laughs> yeah, I did it, and and felt so good about it, like so good." which I've felt good about many auditions that I haven't gotten. So I let that sink in for the day and I was like, all right, let it go. Cause you just don't know. And then the next day I got the call that I was pinned, um, which means you, you might have it. And then it was two long weeks until I got the call being like, it's official. The offer came in and it was so nerve wracking the not the audition itself, because I like I said I knew how to play him, but the following two weeks when I was like waiting for like the official it was just it was a long two weeks, but it was yeah. I'm I feel very, very lucky to to have gotten this role.
1: Well, so I, I have to ask something that we have speculated about a lot that is not in the questions yeah. we have here. Do you think that Trent is a stoner?
2: <laughs> Okay, so, <laughs> so the, the way it was originally uh, – the way the character description was, was written was that he's kind of frat boy type jock. So in my audition, mm-hmm. I didn't – I wasn't playing up that stoner. I wanted to go a, a bit more just Johnny Cool guy. Um, mm-hmm. But the way I am as a performer and the way my hair looks is a lot of the times <laughs> I will – that is kind of my that is my groove, that is my comfort zone, and that is my vibe. So uh, I, I, I actually, Trent was actually only in three or four episodes, and then eventually they they wrote him into eight episodes, which was amazing. And I think as they wrote him more, I think they started leaning into, you know, what I can do, and stoner is what I can do. So <laughs> that's a long way of answering your question, but... I think it's safe to say that that um, Trent is a bit stonery. And actually, one of the directors, one of the notes he would give me is he would come over and be like, this time, let's do it a little more baked.
3: <laughs>
2: I can do that. I can do that. <laughs>
3: That's great.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think Trent's a stoner. <laughs> I think Trent's like the school weed dealer, <laughs> you know? <laughs>
1: Alright, so the follow-up that is written here is if you could play any other character regardless of race or gender, who would it be?
2: Ooh, that that's a really good question. Uh, that's a really good question. Oh, man. Um, who would it be? I, I I think it would be Nalini. Nalini. Um, Baby's mm. mom. She's, like, I love Porna. She is so sweet and so talented and that role like it, it, it's funny and whatnot but that is a demanding role and she crushes it and I think yeah I like I said I'm a, I'm a big character person and like that's not your run-of-the-mill role right there you know like you you have to dig for that one and I think she like really goes goes places with and she's so funny but also she's so, she's so funny, funny. The, the the moment in this episode where they're they're like getting the clock together and then Davey walks out and then it rings and she's like, Oh, I'm just like, that is so, <laughs> it's so nuanced, you know? Um, yeah, I would, I would say Davy's mom. I would love to play that role. I also love playing in like female roles if I ever can. So I, I love that. Yeah.
0: Davey's mom is
2: great. She's great. She's awesome.
0: So the next question is from Davy's feed. She's curious uh, what you would like to see for Trent in season two.
2: I've, of course, I've had a lot of time to think about this. So like I said, my, one of my favorite scenes was to do the presentation scene and it was really fun to push his boundaries and get Trent out of his comfort zone. And so I do want to see a bit more of that you know just throwing an example out like I think it would be cool to see um Trent like try out for the play you know like
1: or like do a poetry yeah right right
2: yeah because because like I said you know when we finish that scene and and he like he gets he gets his line out and he pounds Paxton I think there's a sense of pride in him that it was just like I could I could do that like what was I afraid of this whole time you know um and I did. I listened to your last episode, and uh. and I heard I heard you all talking about Trent and and Ramona. Am I saying her?
1: Am I saying her? <laughs> You're saying the no. actress. I'm sorry. Eleanor. You heard us talk about yeah, Trent. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry.
2: I, I obviously will do that because it's just natural. I think of her as Ramona. Um, yeah. But my girlfriend and I have actually said that, like after we finished the show, we were like. I think Trent and Eleanor could like absolutely. So I thought like, oh, if Trent tries out for the play and there's Eleanor and you know, yep. kind of wingman's it for for <laughs> Paxton, I I think that will be a lot of fun. But but I digress. We'll see.
0: That's so well, funny. You don't digress. That's <laughs> no, like right. my my follow up was actually about that. If you were aware of all the like Trent ships, there's actually more. There's Trent and Shira which is really interesting. interesting and then um I've seen Trent and Davey which I can't see but some people see it um and then of course Trent and Paxton because you know
2: I listen when I was like preparing for this role I was like I need to be prepared for everything and I am going to make sure that I love Paxton like I like <laughs> Trent I want it to be I want him to love him so much that it's almost ambiguous like I just I want him to like <laughs> yeah. I like we would, at the end of one of the, at the end of one of the scenes, we started improv a bit and I was just, I just, Trent just looked at him like serious and was like, I would do anything for you. And for the rest of the shoot, <laughs> for the rest of the shoot, one of the camera guys would just come up to me and be like, I'd do anything for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think Trent really loves Paxton and what, what, in more than one way, I don't know. But um Trent definitely loves Paxton. But as far as the Davey thing goes, I don't see that one, but I do see Trent and Davey being good friends though.
1: Yeah. You know, right? Yes. bro sure. Yeah,
2: ab- absolutely. I I <laughs> I kind of always thought that. So yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: I want to see like everyone just become closer regardless of like romantic entanglements.
2: Yeah, I I I want Trent and Ben to be better friends strictly for selfish reasons because i love jaron lewison so much and i want (laughs) to just be around him more often and darren's my buddy at the end of the day at the end of the day darren and i had a major bromance on set and it was it was what dreams are made of truly
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right what song would you consider to be your high school anthem
2: Oh man, um, I'm sorry to bend the rules again. Can I give two again? because
3: I, mean, yeah. I was it. kind of. Who said that? I was kind rules? of a floater
2: in high school. Like <laughs> I, I was friends with a lot of different groups of people because everything because I, I just was active a, a lot in high school. So I would say on on one side of it, it would be probably is this love i'm a huge bob marley fan so that was kind of like my mantra and i just i wanted to find love throughout high school um and then uh there's also a reggaeton song called no te veo uh and gr- i was like a soccer player growing up and that was like in our locker room I, I it was it was a mostly hispanic high school that i went to very hispanic high school and so in the locker room it was all reggaeton being played and that was like that was the jam so those are i think those are my two those are my my two songs yeah
0: very different uh choices between what we've had people
1: on saying um yeah you weren't here before you got here danny um ben was talking about how much he likes i'm
2: a a big (laughs) that's like that's my top, top i like everything but that's my top so
0: you'd get along very well with my my cousin yeah yeah.
2: <laughs> it sounds like a great person. <laughs> if you like reggae, absolutely.
0: Reggae and EDM and he's a DJ.
2: I was big. I was very big into EDM for a while. I, I, I fell out of love with it, but those were some really fun years. So
0: the next question is, uh, my friend Eileen wants to know how you got into acting and comedy.
2: Um. So I always say that I was kind of, acting before I knew I wanted to act. And so like growing up, I, I I was I was a very like small, underdeveloped, like short kid. And so a lot of the times as a mechanism, what you do is you kind of like overcompensate with like a big personality and whatnot. You want mm-hmm. attention. And so I was constantly like performing in some way or, or another, whether it was trying to make my friends laugh or putting on little shows for my for my family. And then in eighth grade, my mom was finally like you're going to try out for the school musical. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. And she was like, no, I'm We're getting in the car right now and we're going and you're going to try out for the play. I couldn't really sing, so I didn't get the lead, but um, I got like this role, the kind of side funny character. And that has really paved the way because that is my goal to play side funny characters. I'm not, I don't really set out to be a leading man. Um, i I want to be that other guy, and so that was my first experience with like actually being in something and acting, and then mm-hmm. beyond that, I would always make my own videos and put myself in things uh, studied film in in college i didn't study theater, but I would just always be acting um and as far as comedy goes, like I said i just I think humor is a great universal language it's also a good way to disarm people, so I was very um I, I always wanted to make people laugh uh, as mm-hmm. I still do. Um, and so that was just kind of natural when it was time to make my own shorts and take classes. It was only comedy that I wanted to do. So make funny, um, make funny videos. When I moved out to LA, I took groundlings classes to do improv. It was just, you know, that is, that is my comedy is my top priority. Um, yeah.
0: Do you see yourself doing stand up?
2: so i've only done stand-up once uh it terrifies me i mean i'll go i'll get up on stage i'll do anything but i think one of the reasons why it terrifies me is because comedy is the most important medium to me and the Mm. thought of being up on stage alone and not making people laugh is terrifying um i love improv being up on stage with a group of people and not making people laugh it's a bit more digestible for me so yeah yeah, I, I don't know if I will I don't know if I'll ever be a, a stand-up comic. I, I don't know if I have that in me and I have the utmost respect for stand-ups. My my manager is also one of my best friends. He he's a comedy guy. I mean he reps comics, he reps stand ups. And um I'm one of his only clients who, who doesn't do stand up. Um but yeah, I don't know. I, I Also to be a standup, if anyone out there is listening, wants to be a standup comic, you have to work very, very hard. You have to go up when you're not in a pandemic, you have to go up like every night to a new open mic and you have to work the muscle. And I, I do have that work ethic, but that's not what I want to put that work ethic towards. So um, yeah, I'm I'm much more sketch driven.
1: Well, and right now it's so hard. I have, I have a former student who's a standup comic. and like, they do Zoom shows constantly, but you can't hear the. Yeah, audience. that's tough. You need to I that. can't imagine. You need to, you,
2: yeah, you have to you have yeah. to feed off the energy. That that's really
1: tough. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So different tack. What was high school like for you? Like compared with what's in the show, and just kind of yeah. in general.
2: Um, I think there. I think. I think there is some of myself in Trent, but I'm. I, very i was very different in high school um like i said i was i was a bit of a float, floater like i had my group of friends um who were definitely of like the jock type um however uh i did the musicals i played soccer i was in like symphonic orchestra all four years um i i was one of the editors of the school newspaper and so like I, I was just very I was very, very involved in high school. Um so I think I loved my high school experience. Um my my mom's side of the family, everyone went to the high school that I went to, like my mom, my grandma, all the cousins. Hmm. So like we're we're almost like like royalty in my hometown. Not not really, but like
1: was this in yeah, New York? This was, was in New it?
2: York. So I'm from White Plains, New York, which is a suburb uh okay, sub- yeah. <laughs> Suburb of the city. And so, you know, so many teachers and whatnot in high school, like they, they knew who I was coming into the school. Cause so my mom worked in the school. My uncle did my aunt, my cousin, like, so I, I definitely had a very unique high school experience. Um, yeah, I, I high school for me, it was like, I was one of those kids where I always had something to do afterwards. Um, and even when it was done, like I didn't want to leave the grounds and go home. Like I just, I enjoyed my, I enjoyed my time, but there was also, you know, I, I also experienced what everyone else did. Like, like I said, I was kind of the small one. So I was definitely a, a little bullied within my, my friend's group. Um, and so I, you know, I still went through all that. It wasn't like a breeze by any means. I didn't do that well academically. And so, yeah, I think it was a really, it was just a great experience. It was also a learning experience. Um, and I, even though I loved it, I never want to do it again <laughs> no, no.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone wants to go back to high school no, no
2: i really I really don't, but I appreciate my time.
1: One of my dad's best friends um what he was in he, he was in jail for a year for, um, like, civil disobedience stuff. And he said if I had to choose between doing one year of high school or four years in jail, I'd choose four years in jail. That's a hot
2: take, but honestly, (laughs) he knows better than we, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the next question is, uh, what is your Hogwarts house and what do you think Trent's would be?
2: So I'm a little late to the Harry Potter game. Uh, I, I, I never read them growing up. That was my dad's thing, actually, not mine, but my girlfriend has sat me down and had me like watch all the movies, love them all. And I am a Hufflepuff and I pretty sure Trent is probably a Hufflepuff as well. I don't, I don't know the houses that well, but do you, do you, do you both think maybe Trent is something else?
0: we i think he's a gryffindor I between gryffindor or hufflepuff it's that, definitely one or the two yeah, he's like, he very loyal know. he is very
1: okay. loyal yeah he absolutely he is, is I'll tell you that much um, he's loyal but i mean we, we actually talked about this a little bit was it the last episode yeah, or the one before we were episode. talking about it right we i think part of it is that we disagree on which house is the stoner house mm-hmm. I think because of the Weasley twins that it's Gryffindor. She thinks about. because it's near the kitchen, it's Hufflepuff. Yeah. Hufflepuff
0: is literally right <laughs> next to the kitchen.
2: Then <laughs> there's
0: jokes about it in the books.
2: Then I feel like Trent would want to be in that house. I mean, my I I lived with uh this I lived with two guys when I moved out here for like about eight years. Like we lived together the whole time. Oh, wow. and they were both very into Harry Potter and um They both would be like, I know you don't know anything, but you're definitely a Hufflepuff. And um, (laughs) so I know why they said that. And I just, I don't know like the nuances of the houses. Like I don't know the actual ins and intricacies of them, you know? Um, (laughs) But I, I will, you know, I will take your word, whatever, whatever you think Trent is, that's, that's what I'll go with.
1: Think we'll just yeah I think I, if you think Hufflepuff then I will cede okay. the point to Danny and just say that Gryffindor is his secondary house.
2: Well, I mean yeah. the loyalty like you hit the nail on the head there. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um,
0: your boy Jaren is also a Hufflepuff.
2: I I read his his thing. I love his that
0: tweets. They were so funny. I was like, oh my gosh, he like is just
2: a cute human being. I'll tell you that much. He's just, he's unbelievable. <laughs>
0: I love seeing people's like reactions to Harry Potter, like way after everyone else has had opinions for like so many years. Oh, I was just like, I just wanted to be like, you're so wrong, but it's okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Last question before we do the episode deep dive, do you know your astrological chart? And if you do, what is it? I
2: don't. I, I mean, I know my sign is that is I'm a Sagittarius.
1: Okay, it's your sun sign. Okay. Yeah. So
2: I don't know. I don't know what my is there a moon sign?
0: Yeah, moon and rising there's, are the biggest, but there's a lot of others. Yeah. Do
2: I tell you my birthday and then you <laughs> tell me my? Is that how that works, or are we not going down? We gone?
1: could. We could do that. Okay. Yeah. Um. Give me one second to pull up a thing. Uh, actually, you probably have a better one that you know, Danny. I probably do. Let's see. We're gonna, We're gonna need the time of day too. Just okay. So you know.
2: Okay. <laughs> I think I know. Yeah, I think I know.
1: And Danny can, I'm sure, also tell you a bit about what it means. I could.
2: Okay. Yeah. Let's do it.
1: Were you born in White Plains? I was born in White Plains.
2: Okay.
0: Your rising sign is in Capricorn.
1: Danny's a Capricorn. Got it.
2: Okay.
0: And your moon is in Cancer, which is actually what I put Trent's moon as.
1: Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay, sure. And Ben? I feel like this is a very Hufflepuff chart. Yeah, do you? <laughs> Just to put it out there. But like, yeah, he, could,
2: a- he could still be loyal and be a Hufflepuff, right?
1: Oh, loyal oh, is a yeah, Hufflepuff yeah.
0: one, yeah. Loyal is Hufflepuff, oh. yeah. yeah amazing. Oh, chart. Oh, got trait. it. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah. yeah. I'm learning. <laughs> there's a lot more there. There's so many different signs, and I could totally send it to you and and kind of explain it to you a little bit, but those are the most important ones, are the moon and the rising.
2: Got it. Okay.
1: So what's your, like, three-sentence explanation of that combo?
0: Well, Capricorn and Sagittarius generally, I feel like a lot of the time, do get put together. They are right next to each other in the zodiac wheel. Um, Capricorn, though, is generally a bit more... Rigorous and like goal oriented, grounded. grounded. Um, whereas
1: it's an earth sign, it's an earth sign. God. Whereas
0: Sagittarius is a fire sign, um, but cares a lot about like travel and like philosophy. Um, not necessarily like education in general, but just kind of like knowing a lot of things.
3: I identify with that,
0: yeah. So they go hand in hand. Um, so your moon sign is generally kind of more about your emotions. Um, whereas your sun is just like your basic personality. So basically what it says here is if you have your, uh, rising in Capricorn, it says, uh, people with Capricorn ascendant must first become aware of their two opposing sides. One is obedience and performing their duties properly. They need to manage energy well, and this requires discipline and self-control. So it's kind of just like, It seems like it's like saying like, you know, you have a lot of control over your emotions. Um, You're generally not a super emotional person.
1: Well, but the cancer and moon, right? Like there's a deep well of emotions there. They just might not be on the surface. Yeah,
0: And so the moon is cancer, though. So that was actually rising and rising is more like if people look at you at face value, like what are they going to think that you might be? But the moon is is like more like emotions and instincts. Got it. And cancers are very like family oriented and they like um like their buddies for the most part. They
1: care pretty deeply about relationships. Yeah, like of they're all kinds. they're all
0: about like kind of being a protector and being there for the people that they love. That, it's all about like
2: that like is roots. That is one hundred percent that is one hundred percent me. I, sometimes to my to my own like Demise, like I, I yeah, like I, I a I really have to stick up for people, even when I don't think it through, and maybe they did something wrong, you know. So that's definitely like that's definitely me.
0: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I always love seeing people's charts and. It just makes so much sense for people sometimes when they hear all of that. Like astrology, like at face value to most people just seems like kind of a sham, especially Mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't necessarily relate to their sun sign because it's kind of just like your basic personality. Um, So there's so many like factors that you'll probably not relate to. So that's when like you open it up to the other stuff and it's just like, okay, well these layers make more sense.
2: Yeah. That's pretty fascinating.
0: Yeah. Shall we get into the episode? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So there's a lot going on in this episode, so I'm going to break it up by, like, main events for characters. Uh, First, I want to talk about the falling out between Davy and her friends. It was pretty much inevitable after last episode's events. Davy chooses herself again. Um, I was really proud of Fabiola for calling her out about it via text, and I was really proud of her for popping off because it really seems like she's been holding a lot in And usually it's Eleanor that seems to be the one that pops off, and she even attempts to get Fabiola to drop it, but she doesn't. It seems like she's been thinking about all of this for a while and the stress of all these new things in her life, and Davy is just like an added negativity. That was just too much. While I don't agree with the whole idea of a legit friend break, I do understand space. I think they're two very different things. What did you think about Fabiola standing up to Davy like that, Clara?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. I think that somebody needed to hold her accountable. Um and it's not like they haven't kind of warned her, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was, was it like two episodes ago, was that the one where they had the slumber party and like before that was I think it, last? it was like anyway, it was Yeah, like so they like they've had a confrontation with her already about how like she needs to kind of step it up as a friend. And it wasn't, like, that wasn't even the first time, it's just, like, it started this this whole year, they have been there for her, which she absolutely needs, but she hasn't really been giving back, um, and so I think it was time that somebody just kind of, like, held her accountable and was like, look, you know, you can, you can do whatever it is you want, but, like there are consequences if you hurt people they're not going to want to spend all that much time with you especially if you do it repeatedly and are constantly it's not that there isn't real stuff going on in her life there absolutely is but she's using it as an excuse ben do you have anything you want to yeah, add no I, any thoughts you guys
2: uh, you you both unpacked it extremely well um but it's just it, like the type of person i am is i have to under like know why people do the things that they do and you know it's true like Davy, go like the whole season you know Davy makes a series of of kind of not the best choices um but I think that's what's so great about the show is it's a high school show and a lot of kids in high school they do make um kind of uninformed choices where their heart gets in in the way of their brain and um Especially in when you're in high school, you think that's the world. You think that's it. Like you don't realize there's other things past high school. So to her, you know, Paxton and the cool kids and the, and 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 the hot pocket, they are the center of the universe. And if she can get closer to that, she might feel a little better about herself. Um, and she kind of loses sight of the fact that the most important thing to her are her two best friends who love her so much. And so it's like I love that the show kind of let her make those mistakes. And yeah, and it yeah. shows their true friendship because you know Eleanor and fabiola they do love Davy, and that's why they call her on her shit
1: yeah, yeah, it really feels like a tough love moment,
2: yeah i mean the, the, your your true friends should always be calling you out on the things that that on the on the mistakes that you might make um and that's kind of, that's what's beautiful about their about their friendship,
0: yeah. I think it's, like, evolving now. Like, mm-hmm. it, it now has room to kind of become more equally sided mm-hmm. now.
1: Yeah, there was something I was reading recently. It might have been, I read the um, Big Friendship, the book by the call 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 your girlfriend hosts so it might have been that um or they were talking about how like in a lot of friendships people get caught in these patterns of having like you've known somebody forever and you just have this expectation about who they are and whatever they do you sort of fit that into what your expectations are if you've known them for a long time and i feel like having that conversation creates space for all of them to grow and enter this like new phase in their friendship
0: and then, of course, um, after that, you know, like, Fabiola, like, comes out in front of everyone, uh, which, honestly, I love the reaction shots of some of the kids after she comes out, like, and then Jonah comes out as well. Like, <laughs> Ben and Paxton seem like they feel bad for Fabiola, especially when she calls Davey out for choosing Paxton. Like, his face is, like, really guilty because he knows why. And yeah. Trent seems, like, shocked in the back and then Jonah on the other hand when when he came out to everyone everyone's faces were just like not surprised yeah we know dude but <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> what made me laugh is the fact that Ben and Paxton they have this like really identical facial reaction um cuz i like, i went back and like watched it a couple times um they both kind of like wrinkle their faces like huh but it wasn't like an i didn't know kind of huh it was kind of like this weird considering huh just mm-hmm. like hmm but Ben, like, obviously, he already knew because he said in the pilot that Jonah was gay. But of course, it just made me think of, of Bexton.
1: That's Ben and Paxton. Yeah, Ben and Paxton. For the uninitiated. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, Ben, for scenes like this, do they tell you to make specific faces for reactions or do you have a bit of freedom?
2: With uh, that? I'm trying to look at, look back on that exact scene. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't really remember them giving us specific reactions to make. I, I do think... I think maybe when Fabiola comes out AD, the assistant director might have given us a note about everyone react to that, but it's kind of funny. I I don't remember them giving us a note when about when Jonah says it. And I think it's because it's kind of unwritten, (laughs) like everyone, everyone knows already. Um, Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think for that scene, everyone who was outside looking in, I do think we had pretty kind of free reign of, of how we were going to react also i think an important thing when you're directing is still let the actors make the choices in their character and if they're not the right choices reel them in and so uh i do think everyone did a great job of reacting in their character how how would he or she take that in so yeah i don't i don't remember specific notes but that was a hectic scene to shoot regardless because of the spill and the fall and stuff. So it was a it was a logistical nightmare of a scene.
0: How many times did my tree have to fall into the pool?
2: Uh, that was a stunt double. And, oh, okay. <laughs> and that was a one take wonder. Oh wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. What I want to know is how many times did she have to throw punch on that white suit and then it had to get um, changed? Okay,
2: so I'm I'm actually not sure about that because we were you know, the, the camera's facing this way. And, and so yeah, we yeah. weren't, we weren't there for that. So I'm not sure how many times, all I know is that Lee who plays Fabiola came out to where we were all sitting when she was done with that. And I'm pretty sure she was very cold. I, I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure she was like, kind of, <laughs> but also I- Lee is the best. So I don't, it wasn't like uh that this sucks. It was like a, uh, I hope I did a good job, you know.
0: I think I heard them saying that they did it quite a few times um, because my tray and her could not stop laughing. They couldn't get it together.
2: <laughs> that sounds that sounds about right. They had they had this really cool contraption that like shot the the punch, and that was like cool to see it. Like, um, yeah, that was the. I mean, the, the whole episode because of this party, there was there was a lot of problem solving for the crew and
3: yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So the next thing is Fabiola then has a very lovely conversation with Eve. Um, It seems very long overdue. I like that one of the first things Fab does is apologize um, about how she treated Eve. And Eve was very understanding, that instant understanding of how hard it can be to come out and be okay in your own skin. And it was a pretty short scene. And Eve is honestly barely in the show but the audience loves her so much and it's really nice how much of an impact she has on the story and how real she feels even though she isn't in the season that much and i really hope to see more of her in the future i also love how eleanor is creeping in the back during that entire conversation because (laughs) i feel like most friends would do that (laughs) (laughs) um what did you think of their conversation clara
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And I think the one thing I would add was when we were talking about reactions before, I think Eve's... I was a little surprised that Eve seemed surprised when Fab came out. And I think maybe that's because Fab was making, like, such a a fuss about, like, not... No, this isn't me. Like, it's you. It's not me. I'm not interested. Um, But it was kind of nice to see that, like, she cared about it because... You, you you know they needed to be together they needed to get together so she had like that little flame that she was just like holding in a tiny part of her heart and suddenly a whole bunch of oxygen like got poured on it
2: <laughs> it was such a that was such a great scene Metaphor. They, they, Lee and Christina who plays Eve uh, are so wonderful together like they're just they're mm-hmm. so great together and you know for someone who got the scripts and would read them but wouldn't I wasn't, I was never there for any of their scenes together. So it's like, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like till after my girlfriend and I were like over the moon about their scenes together. We're just like, they, this is something special. And this is audience. The audience is going to want to see more of this. Um, I I do want to add, even though Eve isn't in the scene, I do want to add one of my, maybe my favorite scene in the entire show is that is the last scene of episode three, when she had, when she, has gears brosnan say i'm gay i'm i don't i don't cry a lot watching things but i think i had a tear i was like oh that's along with that song they found this song it's like so beautiful i'm like that's amazing so fabiola's journey in this show is really cool and like there's you know you gotta you gotta have stories like this in a show in 2020 because this is this is what's happening more often. than not and it's just like it's beautiful it's a beautiful scene it's a beautiful storyline
0: yeah it's one of my favorites for sure let's talk about kamala and steve now i really like steve for the most part most of the fandom prefers prashant um prashant seems awesome but we only meet him in the next episode so i'll save that discussion for episode nine but i do think kamala and steve have just like a really cute thing um but i do think ultimately they're probably not going to be right for each other I don't think he challenges her intellectually or whatever really understand the family dynamic that she has. um Kamala, I just like I love her in general. I wish she was in the show a lot more. Um she's got this like meekness to her that I really enjoy. She's a very balanced character and she also stands up to Davy a few times. She calls Davy out for being rude in this episode, but she definitely easily caves to Davy's blackmail. I also love to see that little detail of it was Kamala that like fixes the clock, just like her engineer work. What do you think of Kamala and Steve in this episode, Clara?
1: So I think we've talked about them once before, and I always find it very difficult to talk about Steve uh, without like abstracting away from what happens in the next episode. But I will say that all the stuff that happens in the next episode, I feel like you get the seed of it in this episode when, like Davey is asking these questions And he doesn't just like let Kamala Answer the way that she wants to answer So my objection to Steve Is not that like he's not cute Or not that they like Don't necessarily have something together But that I feel like he's trying to make her choices For her based on what he wants And I don't like that So I am with the contingent that prefers Prashant Because um, obviously Like there's a family choice in there To an extent But they also, I don't know we'll get to their next, ne- next episode, but they do seem to connect. Um, and I don't like that Steve tries to make Kamala's choices for her.
2: <laughs> I love, I, Steve is hilarious. I like, you know, I, I didn't have any scene scenes with him. So like, I didn't even know him and he killed me the whole time. But I think, He's
1: really I funny. think what's
2: so, I think what's so cool about that storyline is that like, you know, Kamala is, she's a grad student. She's like, you know, she's not a kid, but here she is in this season having this, you know, very like innocent fling that a lot of kids experience when they're younger. And, you know, if she was back in India, she probably wouldn't have been able to experience something exciting and fun and also confusing. Um, But I think that I think all of those experiences are, are really important to us when we're growing up because um, you learn about yourself. You learn about the dynam- dynamics of a, of a relationship. And so, yeah, I don't know if that is going to last, but like, you know, she's watching, what is it, Riverdale, right? Like, never,
3: she
0: never had these
2: experiences before living here, you know? It's so cool and kind of innocent, you know?
0: I feel like it's necessary. It's necessary. For...
2: Absolutely.
1: And I really like that analogy to to a high school relationship. It sort of articulates well the thing that like ties Davey and um Kamala together because they are both sort of exploring relationships and sexuality for the first exactly. time. Yeah. It's just that their sort of general orientations are a bit different.
2: Exactly. I, I think I I think that, you know, Kamala can learn from Davy just as much as Davey can learn from Kamala. And those mm-hmm. are my favorite kind of stories in film and TV is when two people two two people who are completely different ages can learn from each other because they both have things to offer that, that the other one might not have gotten. So I think it's such a cool such a cool relationship. And for it to come together at the end here and Davey just being like, whoa, oh, like
0: that's kind of
2: you're not that you're not that <laughs> like you're not that good like you're just, like... <laughs> you're
1: not who i thought well, you were. kind of like being her mom in the uber or whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> she drops her off <laughs>
0: she's definitely like a mom a mom friend
2: welcome to slayer fest 98 i'm your host ian carlos crawford
0: slayer fest 98 is a latinx run queer centered pop culture podcast we discuss every episode of buffy the vampire slayer in order but we also talk X-Men, the
2: MCU, and everything else nerdy and or gay. And sometimes I'm joined by... Hi, I'm James Marsters. Trixie Mattel. Anthony Oliveira, hello. Ming-Na
1: Wen. Emily Scott. Summer Bischel. Charisma Carpenter! Kirsten White.
0: Hi, Amber Benson. Latoya Ferguson. It's Claire
2: Kramer. Adam Sass. Jane Espenson, hi. Hi, this is Stacey Abram. We can be found on Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else podcasts are found. You can support us on Patreon to get access to our private Facebook group,
0: Patreon exclusive episodes, and more. We can be found on all social platforms at SlayerFestX98. Make sure to say hi. Any and all support is much appreciated. So let's talk about Davy and Paxton, or Daxton as the kids call it. There's a lot that goes on between them in this episode, so I'm probably going to ramble for a bit. I really like their moment on the steps outside his house before she takes off to try and make up with her friends, Um, how she thanks him for not telling everyone that they didn't hook up. And I liked how he said, I don't fake kiss and tell when so many other douchey guys would have been like, well, I mean, people think we slept together, you know, like I'm so cool. Um, Also, it's just super obvious that he's thinking about making them more than friends when she asks if they can be friends again. Um, And then, of course, Ben gets jealous of their friendship and decides he's going to throw a party after all, only for Davey to ask if Paxton can come. And then the can I I invite Trent part just cracks me up. (laughs) And it's just like Trent's like your little face in the bag is just like with a little smirk. And it really does remind me of that meme that I made that is like, this is my boyfriend and this is my boyfriend's boyfriend.
2: I I was very honored because I love that. I love that scene in Parks and Rec. So I was like, wow, that's that's a huge <laughs> honor.
0: It really fits their <laughs> dynamic um, besides actually being gay. It was just really funny. Um, but Davy and Paxton don't interact at all again until after she falls into the pool, which I'm wondering where Paxton was at during this entire party um his friends came early drinking red bulls yeah, his friends came early to help set up but like where was paxton of course though um paxton plays hero and takes davie home and gives her a change of clothes he's really sweet with her and i love paxton in the scene like i feel like he's really good at like cutting tension and making a joke out of it here um but not in like an insensitive way he definitely cares about her. But with the, the driving scene, I love the cinematography of the the driving scene and the song choice. It just like has all these like little tensions of being a teenager that's like really into someone like she's looking at him and just like melting and looking at his hand and thinking of holding it and looking away and smiling when he looks at her and then he also smiles and it's just like this really lovely and beautifully shot scene. And I just feel like it really captures that feeling of being a teenager so well. And you can just tell how much Paxton genuinely cares for her at this point um, and how much he's let down his wall since the hospital scene. And she's so used to kind of having pointless small talk with Paxton that when he genuinely asks her if she's OK, she answers about getting out pool water out of her ear and he's like no no i mean like with your friends and she opens up and is so vulnerable with him and this is like when i was like shit is is ben and davy like not gonna happen (laughs) um and then when she says i feel like everyone in my life is just done with me and there's just like this awkward pause it makes her feel like oh shit i messed it up but then he just kisses her and it was very short and sweet kiss which of course makes her just like mess up her words and blush and smile a bunch. And it was just very sweet. It's such a trope to shut someone up with a kiss though. <laughs> There's all of that. All of that happens. But Ben, what do you think about Daxton? Where do your allegiances lie? Are you team Paxton because of the hot pocket or are you team Ben because you share a name?
2: Um, Trent is team, um, is team Paxton, you know, I, I, cause I, I, you know, I think that, Davy would be would work wonders on the hot pocket um you know I, I think that Davy would make everyone in the hot pocket a better person and so uh and like I said Trent loves Paxton so Trent definitely has an allegiance to him um but you know I I think I think with a lot of a lot of like young adult shows now is they are trying to steer away from the the stereotypes and the tropes and whatnot um and so i i do love that paxton is almost pining for her at the end like almost like it's almost to that to that level and i like seeing that um and i think that would just be cool to have and like mainstream pop culture is to just like two you know two different social groups kind of the 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 tables are turned um yeah i'm all for i'm all for team uh uh sorry what is it um
3: daxton, daxton i'm daxton. all i'm all for
2: team <laughs> Daxon. um but if you're asking ben i love them both is a diplomatic answer i love i love them both um but that scene you you perfectly describe that scene like it really is like beautiful and it and it captures that high school like you know you're just like daydreaming all the time you know
0: Mm -hmm. it's just like that internal anxiety of like wanting to hold someone's hand when it's like within
1: reach
2: That is everything
1: is an emotion in high school
2: the (laughs) entire time you're in high school all you're doing is wanting to hold hands with someone who's standing right next to you.
1: That's true. (laughs) The Beatles knew. The Beatles knew. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I I really like this too. And I think one thing that I want to mention that I don't think you brought up is that I feel like a lot of the moments where Paxton is able to open up and become more vulnerable also center around him seeing Davy interact with his sister I hope that we learn more about like his dynamic with his sister and like, how his family life is in general. Cause I don't think we've, we haven't met mm-hmm. his parents. Right. No. Yeah. Um, in season two, but I also just think like, there's something to me that is, um, that I find really sort of heartwarming about the fact that like he starts to see her as, he starts to really pine for her as you were saying ben in these moments where like he has sort of let her see his family and a part of him and a way that he is that nobody else really gets to see except probably Trent.
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i want to see a lot more of his relationships in general like for being a top like build character paxton really isn't in the show as much as you would think Mm -hmm. that he would be um but i think it's also just because like since it is from davy's point of view it's like you get to know more about paxton as she gets to know more
2: i I agree with you i think there has to be a a a level of like mystery to him um because he he is a mysterious character like he's almost a walking like anomaly sometimes and that's what's kind of so cool about him but yeah, I, I hope to dive into his personal life a bit more as well.
0: I forgot to ask this earlier, but if you could have anyone voice for your own like episode, who would it be?
2: It would be Seth Rogan. Um <laughs> It would it would be Seth Rogan. However, I I I did wanna like as an exercise, just like write my own episode like about Trent and I would I would have I would have Trent narrate his own episode.
1: Yes. Okay, so that's what I was actually going to say, because I feel like there's something, I don't know, there's something really funny about him being, like, the only person whose <laughs> yeah. monologue is not some, like, grandiose person, but is just himself. Like, I feel like it's part of the, like, pure of heart, dumb of ass thing, that, like, he's, he's, like, not quite deep enough yeah. to have, to have an, an imaginary narrator. It would be really funny if he had his
0: own episode, because, you know, he would probably just, like, get sidetracked and start talking about something. Completely different, and like just kind of be going back and forth, and the the story doesn't make any like <laughs>
1: cohesive sense. And what I would love to see is to see him like argue with his narrator as <laughs> himself.
2: <laughs> that would be that would be breaking the Trent would break the fourth wall for sure.
1: <laughs> yes, I actually
2: yeah. when I say I wanted to write, I actually might have already like written a lot of
0: it. And, oh my god, and, I want to um, see
2: the <laughs> Let's just say that there's, that aliens are mentioned in it. It was <laughs> oh really God. just like, a, I, cause I'm a writer as well. And I just, I like to have, work on things just to exercise the muscle. And I was like, let's just have fun with this and, and see where it goes. And it's,
1: How much do we have to beg you to get a copy of this? If
2: I, and when I finish it, I, I, I have no problem sending it to you. So. Okay. Good.
0: I feel like uh Aliens Exist by Blink One Eighty Two would be playing at That's that moment. Good. That's yes. pretty good. <laughs> I think Blink one eighty two is basically just like Trent in a nutshell. <laughs> so it's time for our Bevidence of the episode. Or just generally talking about Ben Gross. So it is his 60th She can't weekend. get through an episode I love it.
1: without doing it. <laughs>
0: No, I didn't talk about Ben in the last episode, except for when it was I'm... necessary.
1: Yeah, see that's if it was organic, I didn't like bring necessary. him up.
0: Okay. I don't even think he's in that episode. Um anyways, it's his sixteenth birthday. First of all, his cake is fucking terrifying. Yes. <laughs> it looks like the actor John Michael Higgins. Um, for those of you who don't know, he plays the announcer in Pitch Perfect. Uh <laughs> male announcer among many other things um he's hilarious i vote that he should play ben's weird uncle at some point in the show um but poor ben i feel like this episode that makes it obvious that his parents do love him and care about him and his dad calls him sweetie but that he just isn't a priority like they don't even hesitate for a second when he says no you don't have to stay they like already had their bags packed and ready to go uh what do you think about the parents in this episode, Clara.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like this has been where we've been going for a while, but, like, Ben definitely falls into the poor little rich boy trope, right? Like, he has wealthy parents who just... You say that they care about him. I kind of feel, like, that he's not their priority. I kind of feel like they care too much about themselves to, like, fully care about him. Um, That cake, though, I feel like that cake intentionally didn't look like him, to, like, be representative of the fact that his parents are so uninvolved in his life that, like, they get him well, a yeah. cake that looks nothing she like makes him.
0: makes a comment, like, saying, oh, I don't really know what you're into these days. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, um, his parents are very self-involved, and I wish that they would give him more love because uh, Ben deserves more love. And also, then maybe he'd be less of a douche when he <laughs> <into Maybe>. people. <laughs>
0: So then uh Ben
1: I knew there was more Ben coming. <laughs> of
0: course. That was it. That was like there's so much more in the episode. Um so like Ben the next scene that we see is basically that whole thing between him and Davy and like he's kinda negging her, saying like, Oh, I don't see anything below a ten
3: mm. or whatever.
0: And um, he immediately drops this act um, and asks her, like, what's wrong? Um, but they don't get very far because then the clips that we played earlier happens in which Mr. Shapiro never fails to make me laugh. <laughs> sheps. <shaps. laughs> I love that Mr. Shapiro says about birthdays. Like, it's honestly not a happy thing for everyone. Like, I know it's played for laughs, but... I think it's a good line. An incredible um, line.
2: We were but... we were dying when he was saying. <laughs>
0: uh, Davy sure loves to playfully hit Ben. Ben is super obvious. Like I said earlier, you know, he decides that he's gonna have a party anyways because he hears Paxton compliment her. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't see Ben again until the party. Uh, but I like the scene where Davy looks at like what's going on at the party um, with like Sharon and uh, Zoe are drunk off like one white claw and dancing <laughs> on the couch. And Trent is destroying the cake and <laughs> Eric throws up in the sink. Davy sees it and he's just like, sup, to her with his head. Um but then meant to when- do that.
3: <laughs> yeah, <"Sup." laughs>
0: And then Davy sees Ben for the first time at the party, and she just has, like, this most genuine smile on her face um, when she sees Ben, when he's just like, David, you came. (laughs) It's very much different from the smile that she had on her face in the other party episode when Trent had his party in episode three. And she's genuinely happy to see him this time. I thought it was so sad that she was the only one that brought him anything and how no one even realized it was his birthday. And then, of course, there's the cringe moment. He goes in for the kiss twice. Oh, man, how awkward he mistakes the, like, it's cool for, like, that she wants to kiss. And then when she says, don't you have a girlfriend? I'm like, is that Davy's biggest concern here? Would she have welcomed it if he wasn't with Shira? Ben then blames it all on being drunk. Let's be real. He's not drunk. Then, of course, it's all downhill from here. He doesn't do much during the Davey-Fabiola face-off. He visibly rolls his eyes when Fabiola talks about Paxton. Um, but then when Davey falls in the pool and then shares just, like, all over Ben and Paxton immediately runs over to help her, Ben was thinking about it. You can see it, but... Then he sees Paxton going for it, so he just, like, gives up. You said the up.
1: same thing in the wolf scene, the coyote Watch scene.
0: Watch it, and then you would know. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched these episodes so many times, that just like, the tiniest little things. I'm like, I see that.
1: <laughs> she sees and over that. I love it. I, I love it.
0: <laughs> ben then, like, hesitates to leave the scene, but, like shira kind of like goes off with him um a lot of uh baby bevy shippers have thought that maybe ben broke up with shira the night of off screen after his attempts to kiss davy because her picture is missing from his locker in episode 10 when davy asks him if she can move in there's a lot here for such a short amount (laughs) that they interact but what do you guys think about baby in this episode
1: Ben, I'm gonna let you take this one because I have sure, yeah. talked about baby a lot since Danny First, does. <laughs> first off,
2: the the picture thing—that's a really good catch there. That's a really good Easter egg. I didn't even didn't even, didn't even realize that. Uh, I, you know, it, it's interesting because, like, I just feel like it, it just seems as though Ben, as a character, is really emotionally deprived like he's like no one stimulates him emotionally like not at Mm -hmm. home and not in his relationship and um davy is extremely emotional and i i feel Mm -hmm. like that's one of the reasons why they're interested in each other even though Trent is team Paxton, I mean, these, there are, there are sweet (laughs) moments here. Like I love when she enters and she's like bringing him something and he's so excited to see her. And then, and then I I like that you brought up like, you know, would it made a difference if he didn't, if he didn't have a girlfriend when she said that to me, when I heard that line, like, don't you have a girlfriend? Like to me, that feels like a very, you know, when you're, you're in a nervous situation, you don't know if you actually want something or not. And then, You're just going to default by making excuses. It was the right excuse because you shouldn't be making out with someone who has a significant other. But um, I think that was the easiest thing to grab onto and throw out there that it's just like, wait, hold on. You have a girlfriend and if she could say more, it would probably be like, you're my arch nemesis. Like we're supposed to hate each other, you know, which which (laughs) which goes back into the thing about high school is everyone at a certain point, you start just playing the part that you've kind of been molded into
1: yeah, yeah,
2: and I think this is an episode that really kind of like tests those structures that everyone has just like been been packed into. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the look on Ben's face when he's and every time he's looking at Davy is like the, the the wheels are turning in there, you know? It's adorable, right? Like it's absolutely <laughs> adorable. Yeah, it
0: is. Jaren's very good at pulling off the the pining. Yes, look.
2: yes, he is. Yes, he is. And I think it also because of his home life, because his parents are obviously obsessed with material and status. There, yeah. It just makes sense that he's been with Shira is because you know that's she's kind of like a walking example of of probably like the values that that he's been like surrounded by.
1: Mm-hmm. There is
2: a lot to unpacking this episode i never even like realized how much until you said all that and i'm like holy shit you're right this is
0: there's <laughs> yeah
2: so yeah much. That's true.
0: <laughs> well i'm gonna save all of the other stuff about davy and her trauma and how she deals with it for our, our final topic amongst me and clara but there's a couple other things um that are worth discussing in the episode of course there's trent who is played by you our guest here it's really interesting um we could talk about it a little bit earlier but when marcus breaks in the middle of the grandma juice jokes and genuinely asks trent how his grandma is doing and everything kind of gets serious for a minute like i really love that detail for some reason and i think it's sweet how close they are and how much trent seems to actually care about his friends and vice versa i what do you think of like small character details like that, Ben? Like who is trying so to I, you? Th-
2: great question. I think small character de- details are what makes up characters. Um, you know,
3: mm-hmm. I
2: I have I have I've always had this thing where um, it's like, you know, there's that enjoy the little things in life, and in my opinion, the majority mm-hmm. of our lives are little things, and so you have to hold on to those, and so a small detail like that about his grandma it's like trent is obviously a loyal person he likes to have fun he probably doesn't get that emotional many times but the thought of losing anyone in his life who means a lot to him is extremely devastating you know um and yeah. so like i said we were playing with that line a lot and then when one of the producers gave came over and said you know do it a little like melancholy and like do a, you know it really like clicked for me. And I was like, cause in, in the beginning I definitely was playing it a little, a little too funny. And then I was like, wait, mm-hmm. no, like, that's a good note. Like Trent loves his grandma. Like, you know, and that, and yeah. right there, that, that, that's just like, it brings a little bit more humility to the, to the character.
1: Well, and one of the things I like about the show in general is that like, it breaks down all of these one dimensional Mm -hmm. um, expectations we have about these different groups in high school, right? Like uh, the nerds are not just the nerds. They also like to like party and (laughs) do their own like weird things. And similarly, like the jocks have actual relationships where they know things about like whose grandma is, not yeah. doing well or whatever right like i just i feel like it's very humanizing and takes you out of that typical well the jocks are just jocks and airheads and yeah. they have nothing in their brains and the nerds are you know always up in a book and don't yeah. care about you know asexual and uh you know yeah <laughs> whatever else
2: if you want an audience to care about the characters even even if it's a character that they don't like but at least if you want them to care about them you have to see those characters caring about each other um and so Mm -hmm. yeah we are just like jocks and whatnot but for Marcus to go out of his way and be like by the way how's your grandma doing you're like that's sweet like you you know you're willing to bring that up especially in front of Ben who we're really supposed to be acting cool in front of and Mm -hmm. I also I also think the way the producer had me kind of switch that could also interpret that now as like you know Trent's kind of trying to make fun of the whole demented thing because he doesn't know how to deal with it and maybe that's
3: Mm -hmm, you know and
2: we do that we do that a lot in life you know we we tend to like make humor out of things that don't really make sense to us you know so i think that was like a really strong note to to be given
0: yeah it's like coping yeah i do
2: i do want to say one thing about because you mentioned the cake it tasted awful (laughs) it was
0: oh no was it mostly fondant
2: exactly it It was like so fondanted out it was insane and for whatever reason they well actually i mean i guess we all know why but they eventually just had Trent eat a lot in this show like Trent was (laughs) eating i was eating a lot and in the in the earlier scenes where i would have to eat i would be like no i'm like a method like i'm i don't need a spit bucket like i'm gonna i'm gonna eat everything and then quickly i realized like there's a reason to spit your food out because you just
0: – Yeah. And I, could, I
2: couldn't even like swallow that cake.
0: Oh Yeah, I don't like cakes that have too much fondant yeah. either. I'm not even
2: a big cake person. So to just have like 90% fondant was – it was a nightmare.
0: <laughs> I bet. So before we say goodbye and get into fashion, if you could steal anyone's wardrobe on the show, whose would it be?
2: I would say – I do love Trent's fashion. He Trent, Trent actually dresses very similar as me. In this episode specifically, it would be Fabiola. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Fabiola's like like track jacket is fire. Like her like yellow and whatever. Aside from that, mm, yeah. when I'm like when I'm like a, an older put together man, uh, it's gonna be um, Mohan. Um,
3: mm. Her dad
2: is just like. What a handsome guy that guy is! Like, yeah. I'm God, yeah. like, holy shit! And he's just, he's just so put together. Everything is just clean and nice. And when I'm older, I want to dress like that.
0: <laughs> Whenever I see him, though, I always am just like, it's Mohinder from Heroes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <What>? <laughs> was, he, was he? Did he play like a villain?
0: No, more like just like a naive hero. Got it. Um, Got it. Okay. Yeah. He's always making mistakes. He's like a scientist who just screws up constantly.
1: Well, last thing before we let you go, anything you want to plug to the audience? Anything uh, not related to Never Have I Ever, since I think the audience already knows that season two is going to happen.
2: Um, I, I, I don't have anything coming up. Um, I, I'm really trying to get a, a pilot off the ground at some point. But uh, aside from that, Uh, If everyone wants to follow me on Instagram at Ben A. Norris, Um, I haven't posted a video in a while, but I tend to release my own little short videos and um, that's, that's really kind of my passion project right now. So, you know, go on there and hopefully I can make you laugh.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. This was delightful. I hope we can have you back on in season two. Maybe we'll get some Trelinor and we can have you and uh, that would be
2: that <laughs> would be I had a really good good time. This was awesome. Right.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you take care.
0: yeah, bye bye. All right. so fashion I liked pretty much most of Paxton's outfits. I like his jacket that he's wearing at the party. Yeah. Um I like his outfit when he's uh sitting on the steps with uh Davey. He's like wearing just you know like what is it like a flannel short sleeve button
1: up? I feel like knowing that his sister is a fashion designer, I kind of wonder if she like helps style him.
0: Maybe. He kind of seems like someone who would be good at dressing themselves anyways. Um then of course, uh, Ben's outfit in the classroom is eh, not, not a big fan, but him and <laughs> Davy do match though, and I think that's cute. Um, I love Fabiola's outfits.
1: Yeah, in the episode, yeah, all of them.
0: Uh, Kamala's outfit with the headband when she's constructing the clock. I really like that outfit.
1: Can I say something about Fabiola's outfits? I think it's really telling that, like, this this is the episode where she starts to, like, develop a fashion sense of her own because she just came out to her mom in the last episode, right? Like, that's a huge weight yeah. off her shoulders. And I just feel like it's... It, I think it's a really great little character detail that suddenly she is yeah. able to figure out who she wants to be and what she wants to project.
0: Yeah. She, she's definitely kind of just starting to... Dress up more, yes, be like more open i put I love Trent's outfit, I can't remember <laughs> which one it is, but it was probably the one he was wearing to the party, Ben's party outfit, I think yes. red looks really, really good on him. Uh, I didn't really like the Tartan pants at first. Um, they kind of grow on you. They're doesn't, a little bit punk rock.
1: Doesn't Davey have, like, a Tartan skirt or something that's, like, really similar colors? Or maybe she also has Tartan pants.
0: She has Tartan pants that are really similar colors that she wears. Um, I think it's earlier on in the season. But I also do just, like, want to jokingly point out that this is the scene where he's sitting really funny in the theater chair, which is...
1: Oh, Yes. His his, uh, bisexual posture.
0: (laughs) His bisexual posture. (laughs) Yeah, I like that outfit. It's a little bit more rock and roll than what he's normally wearing. Uh, I like Davey with glasses, and I think she should wear them more. Mm -hmm. I love Davey's party outfit, too. Her little dress. She rarely wears dresses. It's usually like a skirt if she's wearing and showing off her legs. And, of course, I love the white suit that gets ruined by the ball juice.
1: Oh, my God. That's such a... It's such, like... That is a fire suit. It's so good.
0: I'm really curious if it actually is from Kohl's and if it's really like, does <laughs> is, is Angelica Houston have, her, have a Kohl's
1: line? I don't know. that, don't just know. that line.
0: It's so funny. Should have um, Googled it. <laughs> I know. I'm surprised I haven't mentioned the jacket Paxton's wearing earlier. Um, I really like Eve's jacket and I love that her entire crew is like all wearing leather jackets. Yes. It's just so gay.
1: Eve always looks hot. Like, every single true, she does. outfit she wears, every single look. Mm.
0: Yeah, she's someone who's definitely curated her style. One-liners? One-liners. So let's see. The first one I have is, I hope you enjoyed that, because that will be my final impression.
1: And of course it, of it isn't. Eleanor. <laughs> like... yeah, of course.
0: <laughs> and then when she's like, Hi, my name is Eleanor. My favorite color is beige, and my dream is to be an accountant. <laughs> like I love how even when she's not acting, she's acting. Like
1: she, yeah, she can't not. It's like too much in her blood.
0: Yeah. Um, and then when Davy says, "Ben, I don't have time to listen to you pretend to have standards." <laughs>
1: Such a good line. Uh, ben always thinks he's burning her, but she is so much better at it. Her comebacks oh, are she's so perfect.
0: Definitely better at it. Like, I've noticed that, like, if he comes back, it's usually, like, the only time he's, like, successful is when he's, like, really mean. Because then it shuts her up.
1: I feel like um, her her relationship with Ben, like, her teasing him since they were kids and they're like constant competition is what makes her an acceptable hot pocket member because she's so funny because of that.
0: Oh man. I want to see her roast like all of hot pocket members. Like she would totally just like get drunk with them and just like roast them.
1: And they would love it. And then she'd like say one mean thing about Trent and Paxton would be like, dude, too far. Whoa. Yeah. You
0: went too far. And then the next line I have is from Fabiola. I left a funeral so I could be by your side when Nick Jonas married an Indian woman that wasn't you. And then just Davy's like, that was very hard on me. I like nearly spit like every single time I hear this line. It's just honestly gold.
1: Sometime you'll have to tell about your your history with Nick Jonas.
0: Oh, no, no. (laughs) No one needs to know that. Um, And then when Dr. Ryan says, I think you give many Fs.
1: I feel like I've said the exact same thing to you before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably, I usually am willing to admit that I give a, a lot of fucks, even when I don't. Um, and then when Steve was like, "I know the whole roof by touch,"
1: creepy. Honestly,
0: it is creepy, <laughs> but like at the same time, like it's her decision to let him sneak in like that. Yeah,
1: he didn't need to tell Davy that, though. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's a dummy
1: he's a dumb scientist
0: and then when kamal is like it's not a triangle it's more of a line and a dot if you're really going to graph it about the love triangle (laughs) and then when oliver is like oh right we're supposed to be mad at her beat it visual kamar
1: he's so not good at being mean
0: he's not he's like You can actually see him in the background in quite a few things, just, like, being shocked and, like, not knowing, like, what to do with just, like, all of this drama. And then when Ben is, like, my life is, like, home alone, except when they realize Kevin got left behind, they just stay in Paris.
1: (laughs) poor Ben. Poor little rich boy.
0: And then when Fabiola says, I'm not used to popping off, it was very tiring.
1: I love how every time she says popping off, she says it, like, slightly awkwardly, like, I'm not used to popping off
0: yeah um and then my last one that i have is from eve and it says i came out by getting stoned and tweeting me gay now it's perfect it's It's so perfect perfect. (laughs) so mvp this is way too hard i mean i'm just gonna give it to the ensemble i'm gonna bitch out and give it to the ensemble they were all very strong in this episode the Daxon scenes are great my train, Darren really sold it. Darren is fantastic as Ben, especially in the theater scene. And Lee and Ramona respectively killed their performances. Everyone is just way too good in it. Like, even just, like, as small as, like, the background, just the reactions that they give, it's just a really strong episode.
1: Well, and, like... Like Ben was saying, right, like this is one of the episodes where they really were like all together as an ensemble a lot more, like all in the same scenes um, and uh, everything else. If I were to pick, I I cannot narrow it down to one, but I think I can narrow it down to two. I think I would give it to a combination of Lee for that um, scene where she reams Stevie out and to Darren. I think they both do a really good job selling it, like you said, but I feel like I don't give him enough credit on this show, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like I said earlier, I mean, I don't think he's in enough of the show, unfortunately, um, as much as you'd think he would be. Um, But whenever he is, like, he's really good at it. And with that, I think we've come to the end of our show. Listeners, thank you for joining us. If you liked this episode, you can subscribe online wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at N-H-I-E underscore podcast.
1: Bye. Well, before we say goodbye, I, I just want to add one thing. I want to thank everyone who has been putting reviews on Apple Podcasts. That really helps get us our audience. Like, it makes it easier for people to find us. Um, so if you haven't done one, if, or if you've done one, thank you so much. If you haven't done one and you love the show, please let the world know on Apple Podcasts. And yeah, um, bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. Never Have I Ever Hosted a Podcast is produced and hosted by Danny Lowry with co-host Clara Shirley Appel. Saxon Ahern is our sound engineer and Lanier Salmons wrote our theme. Mind slide.
2: Do I go or...